Welcome back, everyone, to the Mind, Heart, Muscle podcast, where we explore the body and mind connection. We train our hearts and our souls and understand what it means to be human. We connect with authors, coaches, doctors, and entrepreneurs to both challenge and develop the way we think and approach our life. If you want to become the best version of yourself, have better relationships, and optimize your health, you'll learn that and much more here. We know you'll enjoy the show, so here we go. I want to... Oh, okay. <laughs> in, a, in a conversation I had um, with, with Chase a few weeks ago when I was on his podcast, we talked about um, the, the book that I'm writing. And it's, all, it's a, lot, a lot about fulfillment and learning and um, experience. And one of the interesting things that he brought up is looking at a person who's in their 60s and has done a lot of things and has all this, uh, these life experiences to show rather than having things and um, assets or items or whatever it is to, to show like their worth or their accumulation of life. So the thought of that came into my head and, and really good that, you know, we're following up um, the, the interview you did with Bledsoe. Um, that question you asked him about what's next, you know, after building successful businesses and making all kinds of money and traveling the world. Okay. What, what's next? Is there, is there something that you still feel you need to do or get done? What's the, um, you know, what's, what fulfillment is missing, is there a way, is there ever like a point where you are like, you've reached the finish line of, I am fulfilled, I am successful, I am happy, or is, is it something else? And I know you want, you want to say something. I see you ready. And here's the hypothesis because life is a scientific experiment. The hypothesis is that fulfillment and success and happiness is in doing, not in reaching. And, uh, and that's why when you look at people who have a lot of life experiences and skill sets, different skill sets, like they're super quote unquote, successful to the outside perspective because they feel fulfilled when they do. Is it my turn now? It's been your turn. So. <laughs> um, this you is know, where it's going now. No, but, it's all, it's all good. Um, I've, I've, I've had this thought before um, when I've been working really hard 
and just feeling like all that is there is work. And I'm like, is there ever a point? Is there, is there ever going to be a point where I'm fine and I can just be like, hey, I can press the cruise control button and just chill for a little bit. Um, I just, just the other day, I had this conversation where I said, I'm sick and tired of feeling like I'm waiting for something. Um, we were, we were waiting to be able to open our gyms again. We were, uh, waiting. I was waiting for winter to be over. I was, uh, I was waiting to heal from my broken foot. Uh, it's just, um, I was waiting for my wife to go from full-time to part-time at her job to free up some more time for myself. And it led to a lot of burnout and, and I'm, I'm actually there right now. Like, uh, right the waiting, now, the waiting, the waiting led to burnout. Yeah. I'm actually there right now. Um, I've, I've recognized that it's in situations where I feel like I'm doing more of what I have to do in versus of the things that I want to do. And, and, um, I got some, I got, I got a vacation lined up for the second weekend in June. Uh, July is packed full of adventure. So, um, so this is the, this is the first time that I've been able to acknowledge the burnout and sit in it. And I'm like, okay, what is this teaching me right now? And, and it's, it's really, really relieving. Like the other morning, the other morning, so I got this morning routine where I, I, I get on, I get on the bike or I get on the rower and I partner it up with some foam rolling. And the other morning, like I pushed the snooze button on life and I didn't start when I normally started. And I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I, why am I not getting on the bike and not starting to pedal? And like, and as soon as the 15 minutes was up, I was like, okay, right now, I'm sick of doing the things that I feel like I just have to do. All right. But I know that if I do them, I'm going to feel good. I know that if I can, I know that when I continue to work my ass off, my business is going to grow. I know that, Hey, in just a couple of weeks, I'm going to be sitting on the beach with my wife, like completely relaxed, having a good time especially knowing now that I have a team here at my gym, that's going to be able to hold down the fort and I can trust them and, and everything is going to be okay. And that in itself is fulfilling is being able to, to recognize that, Hey, I feel like shit right now and it's okay. I mentally feel like shit and it's temporary and it's okay. And in a few weeks, everything's going to be fine. I wonder where, uh, where the burnout 
comes from because you said when you do these things that you know you have to do mm-hmm. you, you do feel good you're accomplishing things like you're you made a list. You did all the things on your list. That's accomplishment. That's a good feeling. This this podcast is on my list. Yeah. I'm, as soon as we're done, I'm going to cross it off. Yeah. And and these are good things. So why do we feel burnt out by good things? Is it simply because it's there and we th- believe that there's pressure to do it. We have to. So we feel like an anxious, uh, we, we feel anxiety around it, even though we do get um, positive outcomes. We get caught up in the monotony. It's, it's boredom. It's like curiosity. Yeah. Like it's, 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 it's fear of missing out. What is? Yeah. It's like, Oh, what? It's exactly what you said before. I think you said it before we started recording. Like, isn't there something else better I could be doing with my time? Mm. Yeah. It is a beautiful day outside right now. And we're both sitting inside in front of a microphone. And I know both of us would much rather be out there doing something, having fun. Uh, that's and you know that was an interesting thing that Mike talked about was he schedules play and and you had you had texted me earlier saying that uh when you were driving home that I could get in the room and we could talk before we started recording and I said no dude I'm standing in the sunshine right now and I had my thought so I haven't ridden my bike very much since I broke my foot I was like okay it's time to to I, I have a flat tire so it's time to put a new tube in the, in the bike and put my bike back in the car. So I can just pedal around in the parking lot. Like, like, okay, I don't need to leave where I am to play. Mm-hmm. I just need to go outside and play for 10 minutes and then get back to work. You know, like it's, I think that's what the burnout comes from the most is lack of lack of play, lack, lack of, constant constant of the same Mm. even even if the same has a great reward constant of the same gets excessively boring and there's and there's and that's great there's discomfort to be found in boring and that's something that we can sit in and remind ourselves that repetition is the father of learning and as long as we're not constantly bashing our head under the brick wall like we talked about before we're going to make progress in that monotony it's also healthy to break up the monotony as long as you know you need to return to it that's uh, yesterday i had a ton of work to do uh, like computer kind of work um typing up scheduling emails and posts and things like that. So a lot of um, the type of thing that is usually boring to me (laughs) and usually I I would get distracted by and I blocked out time to get this done. 
And what I ended up doing was, and I did, I stayed home to do this because I get distracted if I go other places sometimes. Um, I set a timer for 25 minutes, focused intensely on work for 25 minutes. And then for five to 10 minutes, I got up, I cleaned out the coffee machine. I, um, measured some wood that needed to be cut because I'm building a wall in my apartment. And then I went back to work for 25 minutes and did the boring stuff. You broke up, you broke up the monotony. Yeah. And I learned, and this is from a lot of trial and error. If I were to go any longer than that, like longer than 30 minutes of um, staring at a computer screen, typing and clicking through things and doing like these little tasks, I would, I'd get it done and then I'd feel really exhausted and I'd be anxious. And this seemed to work well. And in between, I got other stuff done, like things on my general to-do list that I needed to get done at home. So I shipped away while I got my work done and then looked at, looking at the time because I'm really working to stick to a schedule. I look at the time when I finished the work and it was right on with when I planned to be done. Even though I took some breaks and got other stuff done, I knew that, hey, if I can, if I can focus for this amount of time, get this done. All right, that box is checked. This box is checked. Next thing I know, I have all the boxes checked plus some and I feel energized. So breaking up the monotony in the things we have to, quote unquote, have to do, which we'll talk about a little more in a second, is it's not necessarily scheduling playtime. It's scheduling mental escape time in a way, which I, I suppose could be, could be play. It could be considered play. I know that uh, another reason that I've I found myself back in the, the burnout phase is because I've had very little time at home to where when I'm home, I'm actually able to relax. I, I feel like I'm leaving work and just going back to work. Mm. Like, yeah, there's always stuff that needs to be done. And with, with five kids, you know, three of them, three of them are involved in sports. Um, you just feel like you're never, you never get the opportunity to be home. And that becomes overwhelming in itself. And you're like, and when, when you are, when, when I am home, sometimes I feel guilty for taking a break. Like, okay, uh, the, the dishwasher needs emptied, the laundry needs done. Um, and my wife and I have very similar schedules. Um, so it's like on, on Sunday, on Sunday, uh, she, she wanted to get all this stuff done. And I was like, yo, I was like, we need to do something fun with our children. Mm. And she was like, why didn't you bring this up last night? And I was like, because I, you know, I woke up and it's what I wanted to do. Like, I, I said, she, uh, we both kind of got stressed out about it. And I was like, all right, listen, we're going to go, we're going to 
bust our butts. And at a certain time, we're going to dead stop. And we're going to take the kids for an hour. And we're going to do something fun. And everything worked out. You know, we, we wasted energy. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, we, we both, we both like had some stress, some, some anxiousness um, at the beginning of the day, thinking about, oh man, are we going to get all the things done that we want to do on this one day we get to be home together? And, uh, and, and we did, we dead stopped and we got to the spot and we did the thing. And at an hour, I said, all right, kids, let's go. And everything happened and it was all, all right. And guess what? Everything happened. And, and guess what? If, if everything wouldn't have happened, it still would have been all okay. Mm. <laughs> Let that's uh, the, the live in the moment thing. Yes. And this is the, the takeaway I'd like to give people from this conversation. Um, we did a podcast, we did an episode a few months back about responsibility and opportunity. And what's, what's been coming up lately is that sometimes, more often than not, um, the opportunities become responsibility. And, and when you do that, when you like, when you let that happen, when you let the opportunities become your responsibility, you're taking ownership over the, the things in your life and the, the things that are presented in front of you. So, hey, you saw a window of time and opportunity to take your kids out and do something fun with the family because whatever reason, you knew you needed it, things like that. Now, okay, this is our responsibility. We, we're going to do it. We have to do it. Um, same thing would happen in... in in, in a work situation in business. Um, in a perfect example at our, at our gym last week, we were asked to host an event with the New York police department. And it was very short notice. It was like four days, five days ahead, ahead of time. And as soon as I had learned about it, I'm, things start ticking through my head. I'm like, all right, well, this is something we have to do. It, it was an opportunity that became part of our, um, it wasn't part of the plan originally. We had to make adjustments very quickly and, and it, was, it became a responsibility and it happened and things got done and it was successful and brought us uh, more opportunity. So there's a, there's a loop, there's a loop here. And the thing that I, I think we, we both can take away and people listening can take away is um, when you are opportunistic, when you're looking for things, when you're looking for opportunities, they're going to come to you. And when you take those on as responsibilities, good things can happen. That's that uh, classic saying opportunity shows up all the time. It's just disguised as hard work. Hmm. Depends how you perceive hard. 
True. You know, it's, it's just often, oftentimes it's per, it, it looks like hard work. It, it looks that way. Yeah. What, if, what if it was not really hard? It's just how you perceive it. And what, what really exists is potential. And what really exists is um, a different type of work. We, we perceive things as, as difficult as hard because we're used to another way it's outside of our comfort zone or it's outside of our um, normal way of doing things. We get so uh, wrapped up in our way, our style, our um, um, process. And then when there's an opportunity for something outside of that normal uh, occurrence of events or sequence of events, it's, hard quote unquote i made quotes air quotes <laughs> is it hard or are you closed-minded no that's a perspective to think about yeah um i get it though you know sometimes we look at things that are outside our norm i mean it, i imagine to a mechanic there are some tasks that you and I would look at and be like, that's impossible. And to them, they'd be like, yeah, I can do that with my eyes closed. (laughs) (laughs) Impossible or different. Right. It requires when you, when you look at something that's hard and this, this comes up often, especially uh, let's say in the gym setting, right. When you're learning a new skill in the gym, um, or a sport or something like that. Like it's, is it hard or does it require time and energy and practice and patience? Or does it just require actual trying? Attention, yeah, actual like effort. I, I run into this, I run into this, I've ran into this so many times when people are learning how to string toes to bar together. Yeah. I just don't feel like I'm doing it right is the question that is the quote that I hear. And as soon as I say, listen, you don't know what it's supposed to feel like. Force the second rep, force it. Until then, Mm. until you force it and you actually feel it, you're not going to understand. Forcing it. That's uh, that's interesting. That's a great cue in a way. Right, you're, you're unaware of what's on the other side, how it's supposed to feel and look and like, yeah, it's not, it's not perfect. Negation's acknowledged. There's a lot of error when you're learning this shit. You have there's, a to, of, there's a lot you of error, to, yeah. error when you're learning anything. The what um, I was just I was talking about the white belt mentality recently, and um, when I when I had started jujitsu, it was totally it was fun for me. I was learning new things. I I was really bad at it, and and I'm still really bad at it. And now it's in, now it's on purpose. Now like I, I was you know, training with some guys the other day, you know, 
up higher belts, some black belts and purple belts. And I kept going into really shitty positions. And like, even though I already had done it, made that mistake, I'd made the same mistake over and over and over. And I forced a situation. So I, you know, I put myself into like bottom half guard, right? Like deep half guard where I know I'm, I'm, I struggle because I get passed all the time. And I'm like, all right, how I'm, I'm here again. What do I need to do? And every time, every single time I would get like one little movement closer to possibly escaping or sweeping. And then I get, I get passed again. Like, okay. Am I bad at this or am I learning? (laughs) You want the underhook. Yes, of course. I know that. (laughs) I want it. I want to have an underhook. I want to have an overhook. I want to get my, my foot in so I could get a butterfly sweep. Yes. (laughs) Or throw them over and dogfight it or create a scramble. Like I know what I want to do and I want to be able to do it against people that are so much better than me. So the point is I forced something to be uncomfortable like you, your example with toes to bar, like you're forced the second rep. That's a, an uncomfortable place to be because you, you don't know how it's supposed to feel. Like, I don't know how, how the fuck it's supposed to feel when I'm, you know, bottom mount trying to escape someone's attempt on a triangle or how, uh, how the bottom position of a squat snatch is supposed to feel or how the last mile of a 10 K run is supposed to feel like you got to go there to, to experience it. I wish that people would recognize the the difference between i'm bad at this and i don't know what this is supposed to feel like yeah i'm discovering this for the first time like you just started you're not bad you're uneducated what's the perspective then you know what's what are what what's the perspective shift there asking yourself if it's something that you actually give a fuck about okay like okay explain Uh, that uh, okay um you've been let's create a hypothetical person this person has been what's his name (laughs) it's bob bob (laughs) bob's bob's been going to crossfit three days a week for five years right he, he's consistent. Bob has one movement, one movement, right? That gives him a, 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 a hiccup. Bob doesn't give a shit about, about that movement. And let's call, let's say it's double unders, right? Every workout comes up and Bob wants to do single unders instead. Bob doesn't say, I'm bad at double unders. Bob says, I don't give a fuck about double unders. Mm. And then Bob doesn't feel bad about not being able to do it. And most likely the reason that Bob hasn't figured it out yet is because he just can't figure out what it's supposed to feel like. And he doesn't know what it's supposed to feel like. Therefore he doesn't possess the skill. He's not bad at it. He's just, just doesn't do it. You're not, you're not, bad at jujitsu. You just don't do it. You're not bad at art. You just don't do it. Like you're not bad at writing. You just don't do it. And the only way to get good at things is to constantly do them. That's 
there's the mindset shift from this fixed, um, I either am or I am not, right? I either can or I can't, to I can't right now, if I want to, I will. And the shift is being able to see that it's not genetics, it's not uh, magical powers that came down from the sky and gave people abilities to do stuff. It's a willingness to uh, be, be bad at something in a way. It's a willingness to accept the fact that you are new and it takes time to gain the next uh, level, essentially, if you look at it. Even though I consider it to be a, a road to hell motivator, it's the concept. I know what you're saying. You're saying you, yeah. have, to, you have to be willing to suck at something for a little bit in order to get good at it. Yeah. I, I, it's, or you can say it like this. I need to be willing to be a beginner. Right. Well, that's, that's the, that's the mentality. That's the, the growth mindset is everything you have yet to do, you are still a beginner at. And what do beginners do when they persist, they get better. What did you, what do you remember the first time you rode a bike, Ron? Did you fall a couple of times? <laughs> and now you're jumping off like, you know, these dirt ramps and, and breaking your foot. And hey, <laughs> that happened on concrete. And that's cool too. <laughs> and this is, this is something cool too, is like, even at a level where you, you feel um, proficient in your abilities, you can still make a mistake. Does that mean you're bad at it? Or does it mean you made a mistake and you're still learning? Did you learn from it? Did you gain something? It's looking out for opportunities and taking them on as, as a, a responsibility to improve or to but, practice. And we can also look at the perspective of the comparison game at this point. If I were to sit here and relate myself to, I'll say, uh, a professional bike rider by the name of Dennis Anderson. This dude can do whatever he wants on a bicycle. It's, it, it's like watching somebody play a video game. You Things that you would never believe to even be remotely possible, this guy can do. If I were to compare myself to him and actually care, I would be like, I'm so bad at riding bikes. This is, I don't even why I, I don't even know why I do this. Or if I were to compare myself to Matt Frazier in the CrossFit realm, I'm so bad at CrossFit. I don't even know why I do this. Or if I were to compare myself to Andre Galvao in the jujitsu world, I'm just so bad at this. I don't know why I do this. I don't know. No, stop comparing. Like you are you and you are at, you're in your journey where you're at and look forward and we'll come back to opportunity. Look forward as you have an opportunity to spend your life learning something that you get the chance to be good at. And the only way you're ever going to get there is by continuing, hmm. staying on the path. Right. You ever, um, you ever meet somebody, 
uh, who you've looked up to for a long time. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you're young and that happens, if that happens, you, you're quote, you're essentially starstruck, right? Mm -hmm. Because, because you put these people on a pedestal and you believe that they are so much better than you and they got lucky, they, they, whatever. Um, now, if you think that way, if you believe that and you, you look at them, what's going to happen? You're, you'll have paralysis. You'll be afraid to talk to them. You, you'll, you'll have all these questions in your head that you want to ask them and it won't come out because you believe that they don't want to talk to you or you believe that they're so much better that they're above your level, your skill level, your process of learning. But think about this, man, like those people, you know, we, we had Mike Bledsoe on the show the other day, someone who I was listening to back in 2011 on podcasts. And this, this is 10 years later. Like he's the king of fucking podcasts. <laughs> uh, it, you, you could easily ask this guy any question about podcasting because he's so obsessed with it. He wants to talk about it and he'll look at someone like you or I and and see himself 10 years ago because he went through that learning process, figuring out what's the best way to go about something and made some mistakes. Like that's the whole purpose of a coach or a mentor. It's that uh, they have this obsession, even a, a professional, people at a professional level of any any sport or any uh, you know skill or, or any business, they, they wanna share how they got to the point that they did. And if you ask, if you simply ask questions that are more um, interesting than, you know, how do you, how do you handle all your fame and fortune and, you know, how do you do this? Like ask them about the process, they'll be interested enough and you'll learn something. And if you start asking that of more people, hey, how'd you, do, how'd you learn how to do that? How'd you get double unders? What was it like the first time you got toes to bar how'd you, how did you escape that um you know back control and that rear naked <laughs> choke like that was really cool they're gonna tell you they're gonna tell you a lot yeah and then and and it's up to you to listen you're gonna end up <laughs> not only learning how to get out of that back control but also about what their favorite breakfast was that their mom used to cook them seriously because <laughs> as because as soon as you start giving somebody attention man they're just going to keep it going and that's awesome we're all the same that's the yep. thing too man we're, we are all uh, exactly the same there's no like hierarchy here it's that guy just chased that opportunity and you did this you followed this opportunity and it brought you here and okay where are you now? Where do you want to go? What's, what's the purpose? So, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> what is the purpose? Of? You know, before we, before we press record, you asked me, how do I want to feel when we're done with this recording today? Is, that's the purpose it's feeling if if you've read how to win friends and influence people you know that everybody wants to feel important at the end of the day 
Yeah. And important and good. Important and good. Yeah. Like it's, it's just, it's so much fun to just let people talk about themselves. And then when they tell you something awesome, light their shit up. Like, like fucking throw them a party, celebrate for them. There's a good possibility their parents never celebrated shit for them. There's a good possibility their school teachers never celebrated shit from them. And the more, the more identity work that I do, the more I'm finding out that man, Pete, like I, I thought, I thought my childhood was kind of rough. My childhood was great compared to some of the shit that I've been told lately. So like, it's just, it's just so loud in my heart and in my head to just like, it's just screaming at me. Like, man, make people fucking feel good all the time. And the only downside to that is that sometimes we're put into situations where we get pushed and we make people feel bad. That's the only downside to that is sometimes people don't recognize that they're pressing our buttons and then we're the bad guys for retaliating. But the, the, but the, the point is though, is that one, one bad things are always going to happen. And two, just try like hell to make people fucking feel good. That, so that's how I wanted to feel. I good. wanted to feel, I wanted to feel good. Do you? And, and I said, and I said to you, damn near every time we record, I can't think of a time where I haven't felt good by the time we were done recording. Uh, other than, other than when we recorded with Rick last and we had to go because we had other stuff to do. And that conversation was so fun that I didn't want it to end. <laughs> So you developed this process yesterday to work really hard for a short period of time and then go to something else. How do we, how do we correlate that into other aspects of our lives? How do we recognize, how do we recognize when we need to do that? Yeah. How do we, how do we correlate it into other aspects of our lives? What's an example of another way that you're doing that same thing? Perfect. Good question, man. Um, you had, you, you brought up burnout and you, you had said a very particular uh, keyword burnout phase. I'm in a burnout phase right now. So if you look at, um, you know, look at the, uh, the, the translation of I, I am burnt out versus I'm in a burnout phase right now. Okay. I didn't give any ownership to, to, to being burnt out. Right. Right. You took, you took ownership. So uh, assuming that there, that life happens in phases, just like the seasons of the, whatever of the earth, like, <clears throat> like it's cold one day and then it's going to be warm another day. And we know that that will happen on a very regular basis, as are your emotions and such phases of life. So 
you can be intentional about it. And something I would like to experiment now in the near future is that that work to rest ratio on a broader or larger scale where you work for X days and you're intensely focused on one or two things, knowing that you'll be focused on something else for a few days after. Are we, are we going to cross it methodology this shit and go three on one off? I'm thinking longer than that, man. I'm thinking, well, yeah, I guess three on one off for, you know, three weeks of, of intentional work on one process. And the truth is if, especially in, um, if you're creating and if you are responsible for things like, uh, like a business and you have, um, you know, I'll use an, I'll use a direct example, like a marketing campaign. Those don't last a day. They last weeks, they last months. So you need to be able to focus on one or two or three particular things, all of your time and energy and attention on these things in a way that's going to be productive, knowing that you're going to shift to something else. And I'm not saying it's like, uh, you know, work to rest, it's work to different work. It's work to play, play being productive as well, because to be honest, man, I've, I've had some of my best ideas that came to fruition from days spent nomadic in the woods, wandering around. That's well, productive that's what, as fuck. That's know? what Mike said. That's what, that's exactly what Mike said. I will work if I feel inspired to. Yeah. You know? Um, and then he also said about how he was going to take his full year to not work. And at the six month mark, he got as a spark of inspiration. And, and I, I love this concept work to other work, uh, you know, work to rest, work to play, you know, and it, it's just breaking up the monotony to avoid feeling stuck in one place. And yeah, and similar to training, it varies. Like some people can go five days hard in a row of, uh, you know, on a, at the gym and then they need a weekend off and that's cool. Like that works for them. Other people may need um, you know, more rest thrown in between, you know, one day on one day off, one day on one day off, two days on one day off, like two days on three days off like this, this is totally possible by feel and by practice and learning like how your body responds for me. I need that shorter work time, like in, in one day 25 to 30 minutes It's just about all my mind can handle of focused attention on one thing. I'm definitely going to give this a try. It works. It works. Even if it's like longer, shorter, whatever on, it is. On, on certain, on certain areas where I, I feel consumed. I'm like, I'm going to. Yeah. When at programming, for example, Yep. Uh, client programming, like it's, it's, it's so simple work it's such simple work yet to me it's exhausting so when i do it on friday from 10 to 12 
I'm going to be working for 25 minutes and then take a five minute break. And then 25 minutes will work, five minute break and I'll be done. And when I'm done, it'll be finished. And then I've organized that room in my house and I can leave it alone knowing that it's taken care of. So that's it, man. Take the opportunities and take them on as responsibilities and uh, schedule your schedule your time to fit your your attention span. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's essentially it's, those are the it, takeaways today. It's self awareness. Yeah, and and being okay with like taking a little break here and there, and like you're not going to be unproductive if you if you go and do something else for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, cool. it's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day outside. We it's a beautiful about day. It's, it's a beautiful day. You're so going to get, you're going to get outside today. I'm going to, I'm going to go for a walk later on. It's going to be nice. Hell yeah. I'll see All you right. Later, thanks man. Matt. If you loved this podcast, then share it. Tell all your friends, hit the copy button, copy the link, choose five friends in your contact list on your phone and send it out. Let them know what they can expect from it too, because we are on a mission here to change the world and we want to help as many people as possible. So if you know anyone who can benefit from hearing what we have to say or what our guests have to say, then send it over. It's not going to do them any good if they don't hear it. Another way you can support us and support the podcast is really simply go on to Apple or go on to Spotify and rate the thing. Give us a five-star review. Write us a little note. Let us know how we're doing. Shoot us a DM on Instagram. Whatever it takes, let us know so we know that we're on the right track. And we know that we're providing content that is actually relevant to what you are needing and what you are looking for and if it's not hey maybe we can help so do your job thanks for listening guys we appreciate it